What's up, Nation? AJ Riley here with a special guest, Dylan Bear, a Chicago homer for our latest episode of Straight Shooting. Dylan is filling in for Matt, who is out of town still. He will be with us on um, our next show. We've got a packed show for you tonight of baseball because, Dylan, it is opening day week a day that we thought would never get here because of the lockout that occurred december 2nd i personally believe that opening day should be a national holiday but i digress i'm excited to have you here dylan to talk about baseball so let's just jump right into it you're wearing your homer hat the chicago white Sox. how excited are you for this upcoming season Ironically, not as much as I guess you would think. Like, we'll talk about the division later. That's not a primary concern. It's that I I get just a general mentality I always have is going to be a win-now attitude. If you are not contending for a title, you are doing nothing. And the problem is is that, especially with the way the White Sox season ended, getting just blitzkrieged by Houston and then losing as many people as we have without any real major marquee signings. It's, it's concerning and managerial leadership doesn't help. The decision kind of took the wind right out of the sails. Like to be fair, if I had AJ Hinch instead, I'd be much more excited. I'm sure you actually are. I I, I, like the expectation is just so high that like 95 wins in a divisional round ousting is not good enough. And that feels like what's going to happen again. And that's that. So I should be more excited, but like Mm -hmm. I have title dreams in my head that I just don't think will be fulfilled. Yeah. And you know, that's, (laughs) I, I I'm with you on that, right? Like for me, you know, I'm a championship or bust kind of guy always. And I've had to live through the purgatory that is the Detroit Tigers since 2014. And then before last season, we kind of had AJ Hinch fall right into our lap. Thank you very much, Jerry Reinsdorf. Like just amazing, right? Amazing for us. And you're right. It does breed a bit of excitement for us because we have young stars like you have as well that are ready to kind of take the mantle of Detroit baseball and be exciting for the fans. Um, Is there anything that you are excited about though, this season? Like what are you most excited for with the season starting April 7th, this upcoming Thursday? The things I'm most excited for sadly, aren't even related to my team, to be honest. It's a lot more, it's a lot more of like the actual changes that happen. Like this lockout, kind of spurned a lot of a lot of introspection you would hope uh Mm -hmm. within the sport i mean there not only do you have the universal dh thank god that's finally happened are you not a fan of pitchers hitting i it's not even that it's just that like at some point they you know it's the specialization of sports so unlike a lot of individuals who wanted the universal dh because like oh pitchers suck at hitting like I think that there was an actual strategy to it. I understood the reason why that was the case, but because you no longer have it where you have a lot of of jack-of-all-trades players, a lot of times when you start out even in, like, travel all the way up through high school, college, and then or or minors, and then to here, you are so specialized that pitchers just no longer give a 
Ooh, give a give. A, I, I have to learn. I have to learn. It's my first time. Look at I, that. I, they Good don't catch. care about hitting anymore. It's not a point of pride. Oh, for sure. And and on top of that, I mean, the reason why strikeouts are partially are so high is because guys are throwing he, heaters when they, they're like thirty three years old. You know, topping out ninety five higher, and the techniques are just so intricate now that like it's just not interesting to watch. And so because of that evolution, it was an inevitability, whether it was for strategy reasons because you didn't like seeing pitchers hit or because guys just like aren't interested in it anymore. So, yeah, there's definitely that specialization. And, you know, I'm baseball purist at heart, but also am not upset about a universal DH. I think it is a good move. It does, you know, looking from a labor standpoint, create jobs in the National League for for players. Right. And so I think it is a good move and that is something that's going to change the strategy of the game in the national league for sure. Going to make things more consistent as we move into playoff baseball and world series as well. Um, any other changes that through this CBA that have got you excited? I uh, it's not, I don't know if I'm excited, uh, apprehensive, not, that's not even the term either. I just, I don't trust owners. I don't trust anyone who makes over a million dollars. That's just my nature. So you don't trust but, players either. That's what you're saying. <laughs> but you in, in a way, yeah. I mean, you don't everybody was in bad faith. You don't trust the labor. That's what you're saying. <laughs> That's what I hear you saying. I'm not uh, sure. Yeah, yeah. But so the the thing that I I guess I'm curious to see is like, are these changes to service time really tangibly going to help, specifically with the Tigers, right? Like, right. is Torkelson really – are you going to see him more than just a stint at the end of the year in September? Is this incentive for draft picks really going to move the meter? I'm cynically going to say no, but I hope that's not the case. I have m- players in my own system, like like uh, Ioannis Cespedes' brother, uh, Yulakwi, I think is his first name, who just like he, he, you talk about air yards in football, the air yards on him, what he hits, it just goes so far. He's got right. such power to him. I'd love to see him in the outfield, but like service time was kind of the sticking point that didn't seem to be resolved in the way that I would have liked. And so that's, I, I'll be waiting in bated breath to see if it actually works out or not. So I think that there's actually a lot of benefit to bringing up a Cespedes, to bringing up a Torkelson, to bringing up a Green, especially if you think that they're going to have an impact immediately. Because if they are on the opening day roster and they finish in the top three of Rookie of the Year voting, there's compensatory draft picks that are going to be offered to those teams. Um, But if you manipulate their service time and they come up and say May, where you try to get that extra year out of them, and they still finish in the top three of rookie of the year voting, then they get the full year's worth of service time. So from a player's perspective, that manipulation of service time is hopefully we would think a thing of a path of the past. And so I, you know, I think that they've come to a a really good agreement. Again, they're going to start with the runner on second base in, in, extra innings which i'm sure that. you're a proponent of because you hate baseball but that's <laughs> no, not it it's that there is a speed factor that the sport needs to resolve and that does it 
And again, and this is the thing that I love the most is that when it matters, that isn't relevant. So what, what's the issue? Really? Well, and the speed thing, yes, but you know, and I've said on here multiple times that I think it's more of a branding and a marketing issue than it even is a pace of play issue. We will not agree on that. <laughs> and, and that's fine. We don't have to agree on it, but it's also not something that we are going to get into tonight because we just simply do not have time but here's the bottom line right this segment number one bottom line baseball is back thursday we have a number of games looks like there's uh about nine games that are going to be played starting from 105 all the way to 9 40 eastern time we got the red sox and the yankees to open up the brewers and the cubs the mets and the nationals the guardians formerly known as the indians uh, against the Royals, the Mariners uh, at the Twins, Pirates at the Cardinals, Reds at the Braves, Astros at the Angels, Padres at the Diamondbacks. And that is your slate of opening day, official April 7th opening day games. And with that slate, Dylan, it involves a little bit of our divisional teams, right? Mm -hmm. They're playing on Thursday. They have the off day on Friday. They pick up on Saturday. But I want to get into a little AL Central breakdown and how we think these teams are going to fare this season. Now, what we have is we have these matchups. The White Sox are coming to Comerica Park and playing the Tigers starting on Friday. Mm -hmm. The Cleveland Guardians are going to Kansas City on April 7th and playing the Kansas City Royals. And then the Seattle Mariners are moving uh, or are traveling to Minnesota to take on the Twins also on Thursday, as previously mentioned. Mm -hmm. Now, how do we think things are going to shake up in the AL Central this year? And I love that our teams are kicking off the season against each other. I, I love don't. it. I don't. I love because it. There's, there's going to be some unnecessary juice if this goes a one-two fashion against me. I, I can't imagine the, the negativity slash positivity in inverse fashions that'll happen if the Tigers show out, especially against what is presumed to be the division winner. Uh, unlike going and predicted by USA Today to be the division winner at 90 wins this season. Uh, for the, the Sox at 90. That, this is what I'm talking about. 90 wins is not good enough. It's just not. Uh, but you threw me off with that. I don't like yeah. that number. But Why don't you like but, that number? What number do you want it to be? So, I mean, in ideal terms, we're looking at like 96, 98. 100 is just not going to happen with the pitching staff that we have. So I'm, I would say like between 96 and 98. Being at 90 means that you're on the lower tier and that you're going to wind up having to face the, the number one seed, whoever that winds up being. So and let I me just... Let me throw this out to you. According to this same projection by USA Today, there's only one team that got over 98 wins, and that's the Los Angeles Dodgers at 101. The right. next closest team was the Atlanta Braves at 94. So no other divisional winner, they have higher than 94 wins other than the Los Angeles Dodgers, which, you know, there it's a prediction, right? You can It's right. very difficult to predict 162 games. But let me run down how they predict the AL Central, and then we can kind of spitball off of that. They've got your White Sox at number one, 90 and 72. Minnesota finishing second, 
you know, they unloaded Josh Donaldson's contract. Yep. Uh, they also uh, traded Isaiah Kiner Falafa to uh, the Yankees with Donaldson to bring back Gary Sanchez and Gio Ushela. Uh, um, so they have them finishing second at 83 and 79. Detroit finishing third at 80 and 82. Kansas City at 75 and 87. And then the Cleveland Guardians at 74 and 88. Hmm. I like it. But those three, that three game lead by Minnesota, I'm going to go out on a limb and say the Tigers are going to actually finish in second place. I agree. I think they're going to finish in second place. I like the 80 wins. I think that they're going to at least get to 81. Right. I mean, when you're predicting them that at 80 and 82, you're basically saying they're a 500 club. Right. Because one game either way, they're a 500 club. Right. And we haven't seen 500 baseball in Detroit in a long time. So that's exciting. But I think, and maybe this is the, you know, Homer slappy in me. I don't think the Minnesota Twins are three games better than us. And I especially don't think that they're three games better than us if. Fulmer, or not Fulmer, but Torkelson and Green are up the entire year. And I think those guys are going to come into their own. Detroit had two guys on the most underrated players list that, that MLB put out this year. They had Jamer Candelario at third base as one of the the at third base. He's the most underrated. Um, and, and Robbie Grossman as well in the outfield as an underrated player. Um, they kind of went positionally, so catcher, right. you, just one person per position. So those two Tigers made it. I looked, huh. no White Sox on the list, man. I, uh, it's hard to be a division-leading team with all these expectations sure. and have it someone who's underrated. It is. It is. It is for sure. But I think the Central is going to be a fun race. Uh, I, I mean, <laughs> they've got the White Sox at 10 games ahead of the Tigers, which – yeah, they're better than the Tigers. I'm not going to sit here and say that the Tigers are going to compete for any type of wild card. Um, but looking at this shaking out, it looks like you'd have, again, three teams uh, from the AL East that would make it into the playoffs. They actually have Toronto winning the AL East, which is interesting. Hey, um, my man. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Your boy Vladdy, right? Um, and so, so this AL Central, what do you think the key for your White Sox this year is? So there was some attrition that happened across the team, specifically uh, whenever the trade happened for Craig Kimbrell. And that's, that's a lot of the reason why I'm just nowhere near as hype because it felt like the, the White Sox had to trade down, like swung real hard to try to win last year. That's what that move was. There's no other way around it. And you didn't even get out of the divisional round. And that's just, it just, hits the handbrake so hard to where yeah i'm i'm very excited that eloy is going to be actually healthy and that right. the outfield may not be just dreadful even though andrew vaughn is dealing with an injury now because of course uh but it, there are certain players on this roster that i don't want to see and they need to be uh, offloaded to where i feel they're going to underwhelm like i do i think tim anderson's going to have exactly the same season he had last year i just there's no way i i just don't see that happening he was almost complete, completely healthy the whole time very consistent player for us i mean he's phenomenal he's my favorite white sock by far 
but I just don't expect that level of production out of him. And I think very sincerely, Johan Moncada needs to be moved. The fact that he wasn't this offseason is like part of the reason I'm just not very excited about. I don't like him at at that position. And frankly, if we hadn't have decided to trade Kimbrel, I don't think that Moncada would even be on this roster right now. You're saying trade for Kimbrel because you gave up Nick Madrigal. Right. Madrigal would be taking Moncada's place and we would have shipped him off. But because we decided to do the win now thing that just completely failed, now we are stuck with a batter in the lineup that just is not up to par with everyone else around him. Interesting that you think that about Moncada. I for pretty much since his start, he is one of my lesser favorite of the of these younger players. I just uh, his batting. I know batting average is kind of a kind of a stat that's in in repu- being uh, repudiated against lately. But like he's been sub two fifty. He's been oft injured pretty much the entire time. He's not consistent or reliable enough for me to, to be fair, having done that in the first place and gotten rid of the guy who was clearly going to replace him this season. But that's just, that's how it is. That's what happens when you hire a senior citizen as your manager. And then you decide to do win now last year and it blows up in your face. You I mean, do kind of a post-mortem after this period is over for the White Sox, and if they don't accomplish everything that they were supposed to, it that trade is going to be why. And before that, the manager hire is going to be why. Yeah, what's interesting to me, though, I mean, Moncada's still a four-war player. He's a, two, he had 263 last year, 14 home runs, 61 RBIs. Where'd he hit in the lineup? Top, top three? Top two? I'm trying to remember. I mean, I don't believe so. That's because Anderson leads off in, in Abreu's third. Eloy was second, I think. Yeah, okay. So maybe or, Robert was in there, too. I don't know. The problem was the injuries were so bad last year, there wasn't yeah. a consistent lineup sure. to where I can – I frankly, I don't remember. I think he was sixth, if I remember right, but I could be wrong. I mean, he's really showing out this season in spring training, hitting a buck fifty. so – I mean, really showing out. Projected to hit 270 this year by baseball reference. So we'll see. We'll see. I mean, take the under on. You would take the under on 270? I might mark you down for that and see if you're actually uh, correct about that. So, So, like, it sounds to me, correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds to me like you have, we'll say, a cautious optimism about your White Sox this year. Right. The way I make it sound is that like the world's on fire. You but do I make it sound like the world's on fire. That's like, vibe. woe That's is vibe. me. I have the best team in the AL Central for the last three years. That's what you sound I, like. I'm not here for divisional titles, though. And I don't. I actually don't think it's going to be much of a, a struggle, to be honest, for the White Sox to win the division. I don't. Uh, I don't Barring understand. Barring some kind of catastrophic injury. Well, and even then, I, I I don't know. the The team is talented enough that, uh, like, if Eloy gets hurt again, yeah, that may be a bit of a setback. But I, the problem, the fear also is that I, I am dead certain that at the trade deadline, if something like that happens, we're going to do another Kimbrel type trade and get rid of more young assets. Maybe I just my 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 concern for you guys is your pitching. Like, oh, yeah. It like, was so phenomenal last year, too. That's why it's so frustrating. 
they were great in the regular season last year. Yeah, I mean, the and not concerned in the sense that, like, you're not going to be, like, top of the division or anything like that. But, I mean, the, the problem with pitching and young pitching is we talk about that injury. What happens if one of those guys that you have now goes down? Right. What happens if you lose a Giolito, a Velasquez, a Dylan Cease? Right. Yeah. If one of those guys goes down, that hurt. I mean, when the Tigers, it was either 13 or 14, but when the Tigers had that dominant rotation, there was one of those years in there, 12, 13, or 14, where they only used six starting pitchers the entire year. And it wasn't 14 because JV got hurt, but mm. six starting pitchers. Like that's impressive, and that's yeah. really – I mean, that really speaks to how good your, you know, right, right. rotation is. So, like, that's the thing that I – I mean, you've got one of the best closers in the game in Hendricks. You back that up with – you made a trade for Kendall Graveman this offseason, correct? Yes. Yep. And then you also added um, – Is Kimbrell is not listed here. He's not on the team, is he? Hmm. No, he is. He is listed. He was buried. But yeah, so I mean, say. what's going on here? So I mean, Kendall Graveman, Liam Hendricks, and Craig Kimbrell. I mean, pretty good bullpen as well. So yeah. for you, I think a lot of it, yeah, you could lose a hitter here or there, but you got to really make sure that that pitching is is on par. And then that brings us to the best team, the Detroit Tigers, right? <laughs> Projected to be at eighty and eighty-two by USA Today. We clearly have the better of the two managers who you should have arguably had, and I remember that day and how just despondent you were that Tony LaRusso was hired when A.J. Hinch did not have a job. And I sat there and I said, thank you very much, Chicago White Sox. We appreciate that. We'll send the gift basket to the south side because <laughs> – it was just an amazing thing to see what AJ Hinge did last year. And now it's even more exciting to see what he's going to build on this year from last year. Yeah. So I can't wait until April 8th. I think that it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be great. We've got Eduardo uh, Rodriguez, who's going to be our yeah, opening day. The guy from the Reds, right? Red Sox. Yeah. Oh. From the Red Sox, and then who have they named the White Sox opening day starter for y'all yet? I, I think it's Geo again. He was last year. Makes sense. Yeah, makes sense. You might as well. And hey, you know, three game series to get the the game the the season started between our two favorite teams, and we're gonna mm -hmm. beat you. Yeah, I and you're not gonna hear I the end of it. That. The Tigers will be in first place by the first weekend. The first I expect weekend. a very slow start. I do. I, I think y'all are going to start out like a mercurial start where you're going to be just bombing. Hey, I would be here for it. Let me just put it that way. And Dylan, that's going to lead us into our final segment of the night. It's something that a, a little game that Matt and I play where I shoot you a yes or no question. Okay. And you just kind of give me your opinion, yes or no. Maybe give me some reasons why. We'll go back and forth with that. And then we will close out the night, my friend. All right, first one, yes or no. 
Tony La Russa will still be the manager of the White Sox after 2022. No, uh, no way. It, it already felt like it was about a two year, two year time frame for him as it is in the type of public pressure that's going to inevitably occur when I, I, I mean, ever, I would, I would like to think that everybody is probably expecting another divisional round ousting. So let's say that that happens again to a Toronto or Red Sox, Yankees, whomever. Uh, that's that. That is, he's out. He's gone. You can't do that twice, two years in a row with the type of roster that we have, with how far and that we are choosing to destroy our future for a chance at winning. And you are clearly not capable of it, especially when your replacement's going to be in division. And let's use a hypothetical where the Tigers are going into, let's even say August. And it's a difference of like five or six games. Do you really think that? White Sox people are going to be happy with the fact that this young, arguably maybe in the future more talented team than ourselves with a better manager are performing as well as they are. And we're sitting here with the retirement home. And the only thing that we get out of it are divisional round hats that we're just going to throw in the garbage or throw them on uh, uh, throw them on the I-94. I don't know. So that's what it's interesting because you would think that hiring a guy that's a three-time World Series champion, a six-time pennant, uh, a four-time manager of the year, he's already in the Hall of Fame. 5,259 wins all time. And yet you're like, eh. It's phenomenal that he did that 30 years ago. It is 2022. (laughs) Come on. I mean, the guy started in, what, 1979? Okay, mm-hmm. took his first job, and do you know who that first job was? I I promise I'm acutely aware of it. Who is it? <laughs> it was the White Sox. Oh yes, Brian. it was. Then he goes to the Athletics. Then he has his reign in in St. Louis, and now he's back with the home team. I just think it's hilarious that Matt and everybody was freaking out, saying, "Oh, calm down. You don't know how if it's bad. How right have I been?" About this, every fear I've had is is inevitably coming true. It was the easiest thing to predict in the world. It, it yeah. And what did I tell you when they made that hire? Do you remember what I said? The window. I remember. I, I'll always remember the window aspect of it because that was the first time I really analyzed the fact that like this is this really is shorter than I think it is. I told you the window of opportunity just closed a little bit. Yeah. From about what should have been four to five years down to two, three at most. Yep. Yep. Sorry. I really am. Like, I'm sorry, but I'm not because (laughs) I have AJ Hinton. Like, it worked out great for me. It's one of those things like, sorry, not sorry, in a way, (laughs) because I'm glad I don't have Tony LaRussa and I do have AJ Hinch as my manager. Let's go to the second yes, no, Dylan. Yes or no, Carlos Correa will be a twin after this season. He signed a three-year, $105.3 million deal with the Minnesota Twins with an opt-out after season one and season two. Will he be a twin in 2023? No chance. Uh, why? I, let's put it this way. If you were thinking about this from his agent's perspective, what would be the purpose of having not one but two player opt-outs 
on such a short deal. We heard Insurance. the entire time that Correa was looking for a long-term deal over $300 million. The Tigers, I believe, offered 275 And instead, with clearly that was not going to happen with the market, especially with the lockout being what it was. So they decide to go the safe route, get a ton of money, have those opt-outs in place, and it's also on a team that like has made pretty weird decisions, yeah. to be honest, and especially with the Tigers being as young as they are. And if if how what we think is going to happen, where the Tigers will supersede them, then what? Then what is the motivation for them to want to for Correa and his agent to stay on a sinking ship rather than go back into the market without the lock, looming of the lockdown in place. And then he can get the deal that he wanted just a year later. So highest average annual for an infield player. And all this is, the, just what keeps coming back to me is, this is a state farm contract. This is an athletic contract. Like, it's insurance. That's what it is. Yeah. If Correa gets hurt this year, guess what? He's got the highest average annual salary next year, too, and then he can opt out. But if he has a great season, he's no longer a twin. Wholeheartedly agree with you. Here's number three, buddy. Yes or no, the Dodgers will win the NL and be in the World Series again. Now, the Dodgers have been in the World Series three out of the last five years, winning one of them. With all the acquisitions that they made, most notably Freddie Freeman going to play first base in L.A., mm -hmm. will the Dodgers reign supreme again in the NL? Considering how stacked that this roster was even last season, and now that you have the potential for the DH having it where you have another designated, literally the name is there, but an actual designated hitter that you could go into your deep roster and just pluck whatever talent you decide on top of the fact that he, he sure, yeah, they did lose Corey Seager, but then you replace him with, and maybe he's a bit older, but arguably an equal, equally talented player. Freddie Freeman's very highly touted. I, they're the best roster. They clearly are not afraid of spending money. They have a deep team that will benefit greatly from this change that other teams within the NL will not be able to take advantage of. I don't see a reason why not, other than if San Diego decides to actually fulfill their potential <laughs> like what I thought they would last year, and they bottomed out. So I don't I don't have any faith in them for anymore. It. Now, on top of the fact that who who really is thinks that San Francisco is going to surprise like they did? They, that's the way that that organization goes up down every mm -hmm. year. So this year they'll go seventy two wins, then the next year they'll do ninety again. So yeah, I would say that's a safe bet, especially for betting purposes. It's either them or the Braves. So I would definitely say. And the only thing that's going to hold them back is, like I said, with the White Sox, it's going to be their pitching. Right? They have Walker Bueller, who's going to be great. They have, um, and now I'm blanking on um, the name, Urias, Julio Urias, oh, um, yeah. the lefty, who, who shows flashes. Mm -hmm. They have a deep staff, but, you know, what's going to be of Clayton Kershaw? Is he going to be able to stay healthy with the amount of uh, innings that his arm has already logged? It's going to be very difficult to say. I mean, yeah, if I was a betting man, I'd definitely put my money on the Dodgers to be back in the World Series. But – that is why they play the game, and that's why there's 162 of them because it is a long season. So too long for some people, but it is a long season, 
and there is way too much that can happen. And it's going to be exciting to see how that all rolls out this Thursday. Dylan, I want to thank you so much for filling in for Matt. Matt, we obviously wish you the best and hope that everything is going well for you where you are at. We are going to leave that as an undisclosed location. But congrats to you. I hope it was fun. Dylan, thanks again here at Straight Shooting. I'm AJ. He is Dylan Bear. We will see you guys next or this Thursday coming up. We're going to talk hopefully a little bit of Masters because that's going to be kicking off Thursday and then obviously get into some more baseball talk as well. So for Dylan Bear, I am AJ Riley, and we will see you next time.